0: Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I wanna give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. If you're in striking distance of retiring, one of your biggest worries might be transitioning to a retirement income. While you're working all of these years, you've been setting aside money every year to build up your nest egg to live off of. The day you retire, you now start at zero. You're not making any money. You're not earning any money. You now have to figure out, how do I take money for retirement? There's a variety of different ways, and now you're going to have to figure that out. Today we will discuss how to maximize retirement income, and I've identified three ways to help you think about it more clearly. With me today is James Alexander, a financial advisor here at EDGE, married, had his first kid recently,
1: and he does have a few bags under his eyes. Welcome to Ed's Edge, James. Thanks, Ed. Uh, good to be with you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I know uh, you just recently came back from, from Michigan. You're... you're- your lake house out there. How was it?
0: Uh, the weather was great. Uh, it was one of the first times my wife and I were there alone. Uh, I have three children. Um, and this is the first time that actually we were up there without them. Uh, it was a little lonely, but I am really looking forward to going back here this weekend because, uh, I recently became a grandfather a little over a month ago and he's going to be up there for a whole week. So I'm pretty pumped about that.
1: Wow. A month old baby. I know that, uh, qu- quite well, Ed. I, uh, Got a one-year-old myself, and uh, I'm happy to report that he is officially walking. Um, so last week, he actually, uh, I got a video. I was at work here, and I got a video of the little guy walking. And boy, I was really excited to be there when it happened. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty exciting moment nonetheless. And uh, it, as you remember, I definitely reported it to the entire group. Well, it was right around the same time that uh, my, my
0: grandson, his name's Judah, uh, my daughter keeps sending pictures every single day, and uh, I finally got the first video of him smiling. So he's right at that age where he's starting to
1: smile. So I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of that this, this weekend coming up. It's amazing that the personalities that come out so early in those, those kids. So, you know, what I wanted to do, Ed, we've got a pretty important topic today. As, as you know, uh, all things around retirement income. You've told me time and time again, there's a lot of anxiety around that. You know, as people approach retirement, think about it, even during retirement, that there's a sense of anxiety that they have. So mm-hmm. what, what do you think are the biggest obstacles, psychological obstacles, in uh, generating an income that's, frankly, not a paycheck anymore?
0: You're right. This whole emotional side of things, I don't even know. Some people realize it and some people don't. But um, as you well know, when we get people in striking distance, they're often... Uh, just really confused and not sure. They're really actually scared about how is this going to happen. I actually myself, when I started thinking about it more recently, I'm still a ways away from retiring, but I thought, man, the day when I retire, that will be really weird. It'll be very strange to be like all of a sudden getting a paycheck from my investment accounts as opposed to from work. Um, And so I totally can understand where people are coming from. And so My hope is that what we're going to go through today can help people kind of feel a little more comfortable and maybe get on track uh, so so they don't feel that same way. I would say the first tip is it's kind of the foundation of doing this, and that's trying to figure out and maximize all the guaranteed income streams that are available. The first one, which everybody knows about, is Social Security. So Social Security... Um, maybe not everyone knows but you can actually take it in a variety of different ages you can take it as early as age 62 or you can wait as late as age 70. and deciding on that is actually um, can affect how much income you get for the rest of your life in a dramatic way some people actually could get tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars more if it if it's done in a right way so social security is huge
1: wow um hundreds of thousands of dollars so uh, what do you mean by that ed with social security we can save all this money how does does that work
0: when you take out social security at a younger age you get less so you get it early and you're able to get more early on but later on you actually get a lot less and so there's actually kind of a break-even point for everybody depending on when they take the social security Uh, sometimes if they have enough money in investments we'll suggest or somebody could take money from their investments and then take social security later. Uh, Usually that's only good if people will do it, if they're healthy, uh, but it's a much higher amount of income if they take it later. And then when they get in their eighties, their income stream that's guaranteed is much higher than if they took it earlier.
1: So, so if I wait till I'm 70, essentially I get more money every year for the rest of my life. If I take it earlier, I get it sooner but I don't get as much money. So it's figuring out that balance for us is what I'm hearing. Is that fair to say?
0: That's exactly right. In fact, everybody's situation is different. Some people should take it earlier. In fact, I encouraged my father to take it at age 62, the earliest age. And the reason was because uh, of his health. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, he proved me wrong. In fact, I've often said that if my dad uh, had to do it again, I would actually encourage him to do it at age 62 again. But He proved me wrong and I'm glad because he's still alive. He's living in his 80s and uh, it didn't pay off. But in the long run, usually you can sometimes determine these things. If you're a healthy person, it's better to wait, not always, but often.
1: You know, in terms of other guaranteed income, you had mentioned a couple other to me, a couple others to me in the past.
0: Well, there are two versions of the same thing. One is what's called a pension and the other one is called an annuity. Hmm. So a pension is from work. If you worked at a company and they provide an income stream for the rest of your life, it works similarly to Social Security. Uh, An annuity is also um, an income stream for the rest of your life, but usually that's when you put your own money into it. So they pay you an income for the rest of your life if it's what's called a life annuity. Um, There's different versions of annuities and different versions of
1: pensions that you can have. Uh, you, You have to look at all of them to see which one's best for you got it so uh, both provide me could provide me income um, pensions I may or may not have right you know it depends on how what companies I'm with and uh, annuities is another option if I contribute money to that that could that could help pay me out later
0: and annuities aren't the right thing for everybody if somebody has a pension then they got to take advantage of it. Uh, sometimes an annuity is appropriate for people sometimes it's not. If you do any reading in the financial world, you'll see two very, very big different camps. Some camps will say annuities are horrible. Nobody should ever do annuity. And some camps will say you should just try to focus on doing a lot in different annuities. Uh, I, I disagree with both. I think in some situations, annuities are good and other situations they're not. I mean, what do we all want? Hopefully when we're retired is to be able to maybe take that extra vacation once in a while. And if we're somehow able to get you a little more income in one area, that gives us flexibility to be able to potentially take you know, income in a more flexible way in other areas.
1: So, Ed, do you have um, a specific example on annuities, um, when it might be right, when it might be not? I have a, there's a client of mine that I still work with. She's in her late 70s now.
0: Um, I've been working with her for over 20 years. And when she was looking at all of these options when she was retired, I went over everything with her and how to take your income. And we talked about annuities. And she she had a nice amount of money, but she really liked the idea of Social Security and the security and the stability of how much it paid. So yeah. what we did was we created two other versions of guaranteed income. One that was just like Social Security, which paid the same amount every year. And so now for almost 20 years, she's been getting that. And another one was called a variable income annuity, which was tied to investments and it couldn't go ever go down. But if the investments did well, it would it would slowly grow. And so she's had both of those nearly 20 years. And she still reminds me when we do reviews on all our other investments that she's really, really appreciative of those. And uh, and it worked out great for her and she's healthy and, and it, it should really pay off for her in the long run.
1: Yeah, that's great. So she's got her Social Security, of course, and it sounds like she's got two annuities. She's got a fixed one. It's paying her a set amount, no matter what. And then she's got, as you mentioned, a variable one, which fluctuates a little with the market, but it's still got that guaranteed stream attached to it as well.
0: I, I would say too, you know, I mean, not everybody fits in that situation. I would say some people like those, and then I have many, uh, you know, I have many clients that, that don't use annuities either. So
1: why is that, Ed, why, why do some people don't do that?
0: The one big downside too doing an annuity is that you're tying your money up for your whole life. It's completely illiquid. You can't get at it. You can't change your mind. You can't change the investment strategy. It's all locked in. Hmm. And so, you know, that's very restrictive. So you get this great benefit, but you also give a lot up. And that's a difficult thing uh, to be able to do. So it's a trade off. It's a trade off. Right. And so it's good for some people and and not for others.
1: Yeah, I see. Okay, so Uh, Tell me about some other tips you have. We've got this guaranteed income stream that, you know, that we want to really look at. Uh, What other ideas should we think through as we're approaching retirement um, to make sure that we're we're in good shape?
0: Yeah, that's the first big one. And the second one is is minimizing taxes. Uh, When we show people over a long period of time, if you can just minimize taxes a little bit or a lot, it creates a lot of extra income. So we want to maximize income in every way possible, whatever sources, whether it's annuities or other types of investments. But we also want to try to pay less in taxes if possible.
1: So how, how can you actually minimize taxes? Don't you just pay a set amount no matter what?
0: You don't. There's a variety of uh, ways that you pay taxes on things. If you pull money out of a retirement account, then it's taxed at ordinary income like any other type of work or whatever, that's the highest tax bracket potentially you could be in. Um, But if you have investments that create what are called capital gains, those taxes could be much lower. And if you pull money from certain investments that aren't uh, generating a tax, then you won't pay any taxes on those at all. There are some investments that grow tax-free, municipal bonds, uh, distributions from Roth IRAs. And so what we wanna do is look at Which ways can we maximize those things that are less taxed and try to minimize the things that will tax you the most?
1: So what would be the wrong way to take money out then?
0: What happens is a lot of times people have money in the two main types of categories is both in retirement accounts. And so, again, everything that comes out of that, that's fully taxed at your tax bracket. Money that's outside of retirement accounts, we have some more flexibility on. So what we want to do is you want to come up with a strategy, which is the best way to kind of draw from both if possible. Sometimes people just have all their money in an IRA and there's not as much flexibility. But if you do have that flexibility, some people will be like, oh, I have a lot more money in my retirement account. I'm just going to take all my income from there. So they pay all the taxes on that, but their other investments are still generating taxes and they're not taking any money out there. Now they're paying extra tax for no reason. So you have to find the right balance to minimize it and draw it from all the sources uh, in, a, in an appropriate way.
1: Got it. So any any last uh, thoughts to share on, on minimizing taxes, Ed?
0: I would say the only other tidbit that kind of comes to mind is uh, Medicare. We all know that we get Medicare at age 65. It's taxed differently depending on your tax bracket and your overall uh, situation, how you're paying taxes. So. You know, you want to take that into account and look at that. And if you can minimize your taxes, then it makes uh, Medicare
1: more attractive as well. So, Ed, what's the third point for us in terms of retirement income?
0: I would say my third point is something we like to call the bucket strategy. And what I mean by that is we will look at people's assets in a variety of buckets, their investments in a variety of buckets. The first bucket everybody has, it's their checking savings account. They're super safe money. You shouldn't have too much in there, but you wanna have enough for an emergency. That bucket doesn't give you much income. The second bucket is a common investment that people have heard about. They don't always fully understand it, but those are called bonds. Those actually generate a lot of income, but they don't grow a lot. The third bucket are stocks, which is the foundation a lot of people have kind of grown their assets using stocks. And then the fourth one is real estate. Sometimes people will own real estate that generates cash flow and they'll use that for income. And so what we do is we want to position and help people look at all the different areas and buckets that can provide that income stream.
1: And why do you piece it up into those different categories? Well, buckets,
0: each of the investments. Uh, are completely different on a risk spectrum. They all provide risk in one area and they provide less risk in another area. I would say some of them provide a much higher income stream than others. Stocks, for example, are not usually geared. There's some stocks that are geared to generate income, but they have other advantages and disadvantages. Stocks aren't generally a great investment to take income off of. You might be able to take a little bit, but you don't want to do it too much.
1: So it sounds like the the final thought here is in order to alleviate that concern about income is, you know, taking your different assets, putting them into different buckets and really understanding how much income they're giving you. Is that sound, sound fair?
0: Yeah. I think that's a good summary. Yeah. I would say, you know, doing that, minimizing those taxes we just talked about and wrapping them all around that guaranteed income program. If you do those three things, What it will help do is alleviate that
1: big fear. So, Ed, do you have a a story of how we can put these buckets into practice? I do have a story. Now we're talking uh, a little over 20 years ago.
0: So I've been doing this for a while. This is the third big stock market correction I've gone through. You know, we just had one a few months ago with the COVID, but about 20 years ago, those of us who were around back then, there was something called the tech bubble that popped in the late nineties technology stocks um just got absolutely flying I mean they were they were growing so fast and I had these two uh clients I was helping uh both of them had most of their money in stocks and they were uh, really close to retiring so I encouraged them to do this bucket strategy uh, which is to take some of the money they had in stocks and put it into that bond bucket one of them did do that and the other one didn't what happened was then the tech bubble popped The gentleman that did the bucket strategy today still gets all of his income off of that, and he still trades stocks, he still invests in stocks. That's the money he's gonna leave to other people. The other gentleman, unfortunately, didn't take my advice, and he left it in stocks, and then he struggled. He had to work a little longer, and then eventually he did do the bucket strategy, but it screwed up his retirement plan for a little while. and so those are kind of extreme examples, but it's reality, you know, in, in fact, James, I know you and I both right, right now, recently we're, we're talking to people who uh, are asking us the exact same question. They're not that far away and they want to know how do I need to change things up so I don't have to worry if COVID or the pandemic comes back or something bad happens, you know, what should we do differently?
1: Yeah, no, that's powerful. That's powerful. I mean, it sounds like the, all these items together, Um, a really good start to creating a solid plan uh, when you're concerned about that retirement. So appreciate you sharing all your insight with us, Ed. And so to conclude today, uh, Ed has a segment called Ed's Food for Thought. Why is that? Well, Ed is a food junkie. I call him a food nerd, but he loves to share all of his wonderful recipes and wonderful restaurants that he travels around the world trying to find.
0: You are hundred percent correct. I do have a lot of energy. There's things I love in life. And one of them is helping people. The second one is food. Um, as I even think about it, when I was younger, my, both my parents worked a lot, so I had to make my own food. So I even enjoyed making food when I was young. In fact, that's actually where I started making milkshakes for me and my friends. Uh, but that's for, uh, another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love various dishes. I I love almost all foods. And when I was in college, um, up until then, my parents both grew up on farms in South Dakota, and I ate casseroles, I ate meat and potatoes. The strongest spice I ever had when I was growing up was pepper. A Little bit of salt and pepper. Uh, I never ate anything spicy. I didn't know what it was like. When I got to college, I went to Loyola University. It's on the north side of Chicago. Uh, A friend of mine who was my roommate brought me to a chicken wings place i had never had chicken wings before and um i i tried one and it was too hot i couldn't handle it so i ordered the most mild version we ended up going to that place one to two times a week for about two years it is by far my favorite meal if if i had to have a last meal on this earth it would be chicken wings cheddar fries and a huge huge rc called a gut rc it's at buffalo joe's in evanston If you guys ever are near there, I'm not getting commissions from them, though I wish I would because a lot of people like them because of me. I have probably converted 20 to 30 friends there. In fact, I have friends when they literally come from out of town and they fly in, they want to make sure we go there. It's an hour drive from my house, but great chicken wings.
1: So next week, I'm going to expect you to bring some some back for us for the office here.
0: If you go in that area, you can bring them back for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Well that's uh no that's exciting stuff. One to two times a week. That is quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and it's not they weren't cheap either. So uh, a lot of the money I had in college to spend was on chicken wings. So
1: maybe that retirement income strategy will help with affording some more chicken wings for us. Yeah.
0: I literally I'm I'm not kidding you. The thing that I think I'm most concerned about is If Joe like shuts it down or like it's a really popular place, but like I want to try to get the recipe because I'm worried one day I'll show up it won't be there. And there's only there's there's two of them, one in the north side of Chicago, one in Evanston. So uh, I always said, like, if I ever make it really big and I open a restaurant, I want to open one in in town here in Wheaton. I'd like to open a
1: Buffalo Joe's here. So
0: you never know. Maybe I'll do it.
1: Well, you heard it here first. So, terrific. No, I appreciate you sharing everything, and uh, that's a wrap for today. All right, thanks, James, appreciate it.
0: I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice, and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.